Welcome back to NBA Predictions. It's your host, Amanda Fogler, and you're listening to Slam Radio, Cyrus XM 145. Luca is in position to become the league's most valuable player. After becoming a two-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA member, and Rookie of the Year in his first three seasons, this playoffs, the 2020-year-old averaged 35.7 points per game with 10.3 assists, 7.9 rebounds, 1.3 steals, and a 40.8 percentage three-point shooting percentage. He was able to do it despite a strain in his neck, which limited his head movement and vision. If Luka stays healthy, he could easily challenge for the NBA's Best Player Award. He's a skilled, versatile scorer who isn't afraid to take and make the most difficult shots. Luka is also a great passer, as he was the only player in the league to finish in the top six in both scoring and assists during the regular season. While it's reasonable to wonder if the Mavericks squad surrounding him will be good enough to a challenge for a top seed in the West, the team has $35.4 million in cap space this offseason, which could be used to acquire some major talent. With his 6'7 frame, new head coach Jason Kidd should allow Luka the freedom to run the offense as the team's point guard, making the fourth year a phenom year. The Dallas Mavericks are coming off a year of growth and improvement. Luka became a superstar as he led his team back to the playoffs for the first time since 2016. His play earned first-team All-NBA honors and lifted everyone around him. The 22-year-old had the rest of the league dreading facing the Mavs. Luka absolutely burst onto the scene two years ago by being much better than anyone imagined. He was only 19 years old, but had the body of a grown man and the skills of an NBA All-Star and veteran. After playing years in Europe, Luca was already the real deal. Luca stunned the world even more when he made a huge leap forward in only his second year. Luca demonstrated that he was not only a gifted athlete, but also a natural leader. Luca became the Mavericks' top player as a man capable of making crucial plays for his team's victory. When no one expected the Mavericks to be a playoff danger, they made it to the first round and won two games against the great Los Angeles Clippers. The Mavericks were quite good last year, but they will also be good this season. The Mavericks will have one of the best duels in the NBA with Luka and Porzingis and a deep roster. The Mavericks traded Seth Curry for Josh Richardson, which is a massive upgrade. Curry is one of the best shooters in the league, but he offers nothing else on the floor. In terms of a two-way play at the shooting guard position, Josh Richardson is an above-average talent. Richardson played 30.8 minutes per game and averaged 13.7 points per game as a starter for the Sixers. Richardson shot 34.1% from threes as well, which is a decent clip. The Mavericks also have Tim Hardaway Jr., who shot 39.8% from three-point range last season, and James Johnson. Along with Luka and Porzingis, Hardaway Jr. and Josh Richardson are two capable starters with bench depth. Ray Burke, Jalen Brunson, Dorian Finney-Smith, Dwight Powell, and Josh Green, who has recently been drafted, are all excellent role players who can help to head coach Jason Kidd's team. The MVP award is normally given to the player who carried the most load during an NBA season. It is shown by rewarding a player for his stats, the impact he had on games, and his overall value to his team. Playing more minutes allowed the superstar to put up more stats on the board, 
and give his team more to offer and win games. Luca is a natural-born leader and a winner, and his workload in this season will be quite surreal. Mavericks will not rest as a bottom-tier playoff club and will continue to push Luca to greatness as soon as possible. He's shown flashes of brilliance, but the Mavericks want to win as many games as they can. They will do that by giving Luca a lot of playing time. Like every other all-time great at 22, he will have the energy and capabilities to continue dominating games and playing significant minutes for his team. When looking at what Luca has done already in the NBA, he has no weakness. He averaged a near triple-double last year. Luca is already one of the most impactful players in the NBA, with his ability to distribute the ball when double-teamed, score at the rim, and use his size to crash the boards. A triple-double threat is always a threat to win the MVP award. What is even more impressive is his shooting ability. Luca shot 46.3% from the field, 31.6% from three, and 75.8% from the line. While these shooting numbers don't leap out the page and look average, he can make shots from anywhere on the court. With his progression as a player expected, Luca will continue upping his shooting percentages as he learns to be more efficient. Either way, Luca is a threat from anywhere on the floor, and he has no weakness in his game. Luca must have at least a top 4 or 5 seed in the West to win the MVP award, and it is expected he will manage that. With a third seed in the West and Luca's stats, Luca is a front runner for the MVP award. He will have a ton of competition with Giannis Antetokounmpo and even LeBron James, but Luca will distance himself by leading an average team to a top 3 seed in the West and dominating the box scores. To be considered for the MVP award, you have to have the numbers, right? Steve Nash in 2005 and 2006 is the only player since 1980 to average under 20 points per game and take home MVP. Every other winner since 2000 has put up over 23 a night. Every MVP following Dirk in 2007 has averaged over 5 assists. Most valuable players put up monster numbers, right? And Luka checks the box. Taking out the Mavericks final game of the season where Luka played just 13 minutes, in which he was injured mid-game. Luka averaged 29.6 points, 9.7 rebounds, and 9.2 assists per. Fans did not have squint too hard to see that he could average a 30-point triple-double each night with some improvements. Luka has been a star since the day he first stepped onto an NBA court, and even before that, to be honest. And he should be the favorite to win the 2021-2022 MVP award. Thank you for listening to Slam Radio, Cyrus XM 145. A radio. Radio. Slam Radio. Sirius XM Channel 145. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever. Just don't text and drive. Visit stoptextsstoprex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo. I mean, really, it really apologist. comes down to... I'm going to make an apologist image for you, bro, because everything that I say, you're like, oh, but LeBron had to do this, and he had to jump over a car. Isn't LeBron the king? And again, LeBron jump over the Empire State Building? He probably could, but why probably, would he do it? But why doesn't he jump over the Empire State Building to win a slam dunk contest? Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. 
This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from silent. Get back on your treatment plan or talk with your doctor to create a plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. Everything's changed. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. I'm constantly failing, guys. I'm constantly learning. It's not how you fall, it's how you get back up. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. There's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. But I really get motivated when people tell me it'll never happen. That, that to me is what makes me get up in the morning and go, what's next? I love people to tell me no. I love people to tell me don't, it won't. All of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. Slam Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 145. We're back on Slam Radio, Stars XM 145, and we're talking about my prediction for the NBA Rookie of the Year. My prediction is that Cade Cunningham will win Rookie of the Year. The first picks of the draft usually win, like Ben Simmons, Carl Anthony Towns, Kyrie Irving, and etc. His summer league matchup against Jalen Green was phenomenal. Cade passed the eye test. He averaged 18.7 points, 5.7 rebounds, and 1.7 steals on 42.9 percentage from the field across three games. After a shaky debut, he dropped 20-plus points performance. He did flash his playmaking ability. Opposing guards will continue to have trouble containing Cunningham's ball handling and off-the-dribble shooting at 6'7", 220 pounds. Cade, who was a 40-percentage three-point shooter at Oklahoma State, he had no trouble adjusting to the NBA line hitting 50% of his 26 attempts from beyond the arc. In college, he had 20.1 points, 6.2 rebounds, 3.5 assists a game, only as a rookie. All honesty, finding significant criticism of Cunningham's game is not easy. Draft pounds are forced and nitpick at best. The one area that stands out the most as a weakness is his athleticism. Cade does not possess the kind of bounce that many NBA players have, like James Booknight, Jalen Green, all the other top picks. His speed and acceleration are also not otherworldly. Although he gets by his defenders, by his handles and his size, Cade lacked a top-notch first step. Cade Cunningham enters the season at NBA's Rookie of the Year's favorite, right? But the last overall pick to win was Ben Simmons in 2018. Will Cade be able to hold a strong class that includes Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, Scotty Barnes, and Jalen Suggs? Even a non-lottery dark horse looks ready to put pressure on each of the draft top five picks. 
Cage should be set up for high usage and similar numbers he produced at Oklahoma State for a Detroit Pistons team lacking creation and scoring. Alongside Killian Hayes, he might start the year seeing more of off-ball reps as a shooter from the wings and corners. But unless Hayes starts to blow up, Cage should eventually be used the way Luka Doncic is the Mavericks as a initiator. Opposing guards will continue having trouble containing Cade. He enters the league with an advantage, a jumper game in terms of converting pull-ups, step-backs, and spot-ups. Detroit figures to get him in space around the post, where he always had success against smaller players. Compared to number two pick Jalen Green, Cade offered more playmaking and passing potential, and any missed time or demotion for Hayes could allow Detroit star rookie to really pay his stats and extra assist. Given his tools and off-ball IQ, Cade could have emerged as a defensive plus right away, a rare thing for a rookie. Cade, his first year at Oklahoma, was not flawless. He showed his incredible talent on more than one occasion. Cade is an oversight guard who plays with maturity and control beyond his years. He's an excellent decision-making skills and possesses the court vision necessary to find open teammates. When he isn't setting up others, Cade has the size, strength, and ball handling ability to get his spot and create his own shot. He can score from anywhere on the floor, from the lane to beyond the three-point line. Cade is also excels in pick-and-roll situations. A lot of players in the top five will put up big numbers this season, and there is always a chance that someone else will emerge, so it could just come down to which team has the most success. The Pistons, Rockets, Cavaliers, and Magic were all terrible last season, so if one of them makes a big leap, their rookie will get credit. I see the Detroit Pistons as the team most ready to make such a leap, as they already have some very good role players assembled around Cade in Germany, Grant. Isaiah Stewart and Shaquille Bradley, and recently added Kelly Olynyk to the mix. Cade wants to make the playoffs, and though I think that's a long shot, I could see the Pistons at least making the play-in game. If that happens and none of the other teams make such a leap, then the award is likely to go to Cade, whose biggest strength is elevating his teammates. This will be one of the most competitive Rookie of the Year races in a while. I still like to think Cade will win it because of all his skills and the way he does with his teammates. Cade is dealing with a right ankle injury that has largely kept him out of Pistons training camp and will likely prevent him from playing in any preseason games. Those reps and ramp up time are important for any rookie, even a first team All-American like Cade. But he was the number one pick for a reason, right? For Pistons fans, ankle injuries are particularly triggering as we had to watch superstar Grant Hill eventually have his Hall of Fame career drilled by a bum ankle that he could never get right. He's already had a great matchup with fellow rookie Jalen Green, showed some leadership qualities for the young Pistons, and led up the Knicks for seven three-pointers in his best game so far. But several others, rookies, have played well in summer league, so the loudest talking heads are already making their hot takes about Cade, looking for any reason that he shouldn't have been the number one pick in the 2021 draft. Cade was the first pick. Even though the number one pick has a target on his back all season, he has a lot of cameras pointed at him and will get more attention than any other choice one way or another. This is especially true because he is going to immediately have a huge role for Detroit Pistons. He's going to be their leader on the floor and fill up the stat sheet. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Jalen Green ends up scoring more points than Cunningham. 
though that is certainly not as given as Cade is an elite scorer himself. But I think Cade will fill the stat sheet with assists, rebound, blocks, and st- steals as well. He's going to be featured nightly on ESPN, get the plenty of chances to score and distribute the ball. The Detroit Pistons finished at the bottom of the Eastern Conference last season, winning only 20 games on their way to the number one pick in the NBA draft. They got the guy, Cade Cunningham, a complete prospect who could be the next superstar in the NBA. They've also added free agent Kelly Unick, who should help the young guards develop, as well as Trey Lyles, and who give the Pistons another shooter off the bench. Other than that, waiting to see what will happen with it. Frank, Jackson, and the Pistons roster is more or less set, and I think they can count on getting better between their additions and internal improvement from the young core. They played competitive last season. Even though they didn't win much, I hope they turn all of those around. They had close wins and close losses. But Cade thinks the Pistons can get the playoffs in his first season, but he may have to pump the brakes on that. Yo, what's up? Baby, let's go! This is Tua Tungle by Lowen. Yo, Sway Calloway. This is Spice Adams. This is Michael, the playmaker everywhere. What's up? This is Grok, and you're listening to Slam, Slam Radio. Radio. Serious XM. Yeah. We are strong, and we'll get through this together. But these are stressful times. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, and know that you are not alone. Visit wearebroadcasters.com slash hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Good morning, amigo. I mean, really, it really apologist. comes down to... I'm going to make an apologist image for you, bro, because everything that I say is, oh, but LeBron had to do this, and he had to jump over a car. Isn't LeBron the king? And again, LeBron jump over the Empire State Building? Probably good, but why Probably. would he do it? Probably, but why doesn't he jump over the Empire State Building to win a slam dunk contest? Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Wash your hands, avoid sick people, and touching your face. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Visit cdc.gov COVID-19. Brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. I'm constantly failing, guys. I'm constantly learning. It's not how you fall, it's how you get back up. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. But I really get motivated when people tell me it'll never happen. That, that to me is what makes me get up in the morning and go, what's next? I love people to tell me no. I love people to tell me don't, it won't, impossible. And uh, the word can't is the word can. And the word don't is the word do. And the word won't is the word won. And in the word impossible, it's possible. What do you tell them? You tell them, you know, you know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's going to do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. you, you got to take those losses. you got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, terrible. You know, this is what it's all about. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. Slam Radio has brought so much positivity into my life that allows so many young people to have a voice. I'm very thankful for this opportunity at Slam Radio. Not a lot of people get to say that they worked on the first radio station 
run inside a high school. I've learned so much from Frank the Tank. I've learned so much from Danny, from the Amigo. I've learned so much from them, and I thank them so much, and it means a lot to me. Slam Radio is a community. It just gives you opportunity. They give you opportunities that not many schools have. The people here are just great. Someone always has your back no matter what. It is definitely a place to leave your egos and your insecurities behind and just be yourself and all become one. I'm so thankful for everybody here at Slam Radio, and I'm thankful for this wonderful opportunity that I've been given to jumpstart my career. You are listening to Slam Radio on Sirius XM 145. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. We're back on Slam Radio, Sirius XM 145. Today we'll be talking about my prediction for the Defensive Player of the Year in the NBA. The NBA Defensive Player of the Year award is given to the best defensive player in the given season. This award is a combination of fairness and personality. Statistics are involved, but still has hints of being an opinion-based award as well. All NBA awards try to have some level of personalities. Some years the voters seem to get it right, while other years they may not. Rudy Gobert was an absolute menace, protecting the paint in 2020-2021 for the NBA's third best defense. Rudy finished second in block shots, leading the league in defensive rebounds. The receipt for Rudy winning Defensive Player of the Year for the second straight season in the third time in four years is clear. He's already done it so many times. If the Jazz big man puts up similar numbers from 2020 to 21, he can tie Ben Wallace and Dikamin Mutombo for most defensive player awards ever. Rudy quarterbacks Utah's suffocating defense in the paint. Pretty much any way you slice it. Opponents' points per game, opponents' field goals percentage, blocks per game. Utah was a top five defensive unit, and Rudy was at the center of the operation. Quite literally. He was first in the NBA defensive win shares, which is an estimate of the numbers of wins a players contributed to a defense and led the league in total rebounds and blocks. Rudy's case the three years he won Defensive Player of the Year. He played 56 out of possible 82 games in the 2017-2018 season. Over the past two seasons, however, he only missed two regular season games. If Rudy was to stay healthy, history suggests he'll be main Maintaining the paint for Utah in another Defensive Player of the Year level campaign. Rudy is a determined in the paint. Rudy has been the popular choice through the halfway point this year. He's averaging 2.7 blocks per game while boasting a defensive EPM of 3.6, the best in the league. The 7-1 Frenchman earned a lot of 464 points, including 84 of a possible 101st place votes. His closest competitor, Ben Simmons, of the Philadelphia 76ers, tailed 287 points. Rudy has been crucial to the Jazz' meteoric rise and league's best record this season, averaging 2.7 blocks, 0.7 steals, along with 14.3 points, 13.5 rebounds, and 1.3 assists. Rudy Gobert would go down in Embryon history as one of the greatest rim protectors of all time. He's an absolute monster. His length height, shot anticipation, timing, and straight line speed create a dominant defensive presence. All of the advanced analytics surrounding defense in the NBA point to Rudy being an all-time defender. Last year, Rudy ranked second in the league in defensive win shares only behind Michael Conley Jr. There are two players with higher defensive win shares. However, they only played in a couple games, so it does not count. Other interesting statistics include 50-30-80 defensive Raptor metric 
and ESPN's Defensive Reel Plus Minus, which shows that Rudy's 2020 to 2021 campaign is almost the most extraordinary defensive efforts ever. ESPN Real Defensive Plus Minus measures a player's impact on his team's defensive performance in terms of points allowed per 100 possessions. A positive number is better. He has 8.0. Cleaning the glass appointments, points, 100 possessions, decrease when on the floor. Measures the decrease in opponent's points per 100 possessions when Rudy is on the floor compared to when he is off the floor. Minimum, 1,000 minutes played. A negative number is better. He has 12.8. He's ranked number one. Opponent field goal percentage difference when defending measures the difference in a player's field goal percentage when Rudy is defending compared to the player's average field goal percentage minimum 47 games played. A negative number is better. He has negative 7.7 percentage. He's ranked number two. 50-30-80 overall defensive Raptor measures a player's impact on his team's defensive performance in terms of points allowed per 100 possessions, minimum 1,000 minutes played. Positive number is better. He has 8.6, also ranked number one. Rudy is having a monster defensive year, perhaps the best of all time. Rudy is the first in the league in defensive rebounds and first or second in the league blocks per game, depending on what criteria you use. Miles Turner of the Indian Pacers leads the league in blocks per game at 3.4, but he has only played 47 games. Rudy leads the NBA in blocks per game among all players who had played 50 or more games. The Jazz defense is 12.8 points worse per 100 positions with Rudy off the floor. Per cleaning the glass, 50-38 rates the Jazz at 8.6 points better per 100 possessions defensively when Rudy is on the floor. Opponents shoot 7.7 worse than their average when guarding by Rudy, per NBA data. Utah's defensive rating is third in the league. Rudy is at the top or near the top in pretty much every defensive metric. Ben Boswit at 50-38 and Jake Lee at Salt City Hoops have articles breaking down the numbers and the various defensive metrics that attempt to boil down a player's defensive impact to one number. Saying that only is Rudy the best defensive player in the NBA this season, but he's having the single best defensive season ever. In all four major defensive me- metrics, 50-38 defensive Raptor, ESPN defensive real plus minus, dunks and threes defensive estimated plus minus, ball index the LeBron, Rudy's 2020-21 season is ranked as the best defensive season of all time. Two of those metrics, 538 Defensive Raptor and ESPN Defensive Real Plus Minus, go back as far as 1977 and 1996, respectively, and still. Rudy is having the best defensive season of all time. Numbers can tell the entire story in basketball, though. By watching the game, it's clear that Rudy has a great defender, that the Jazz have actually altered the way to play defense because Rudy is so good at affecting shots. The Jazz defense is built around guarding players tight on the perimeter, preventing three-pointers. If a player beats his primary defender and gets into the paint, Rudy is usually there to affect the shot. It works. The Jazz allow the third fewest three-pointers attempt in the league, and teams make just 10.9 three-pointers per game against Utah, the fewest in the NBA. What makes him so good is that Utah's defense funnels off offense into the paint, which seems like the opposite of what you would want to do, but it works because Rudy covers too much ground in there. Perhaps the best way to illustrate Rudy's defense dominance is watching the sequence against the San Antonio Spurs from May. 
The Spurs appeared to have the advantage on the fast break after stealing the ball, but Rudy by himself shut down not one, not two, but three San Antonio players and prevented a fast break score. Not only Spurs wanted to as much as attempt a shot on a fast break against Rudy. That's Defensive Player of the Year impact right there. But that's it for my prediction for the Defensive Player of the Year and my predictions about the Rookie of the Year, Most Valuable Player, and Defensive Player of the Year. It's your host, Amanda Fogler, talking on Slam Radio, Star 6M 145.